Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Knight and this is My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Let's get started. Welcome back everybody. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving break. I know I did because it was kind of a pleasant surprise. I it so how the calendar was laid out on my page, like the dates weren't exactly right. So it looked like there was a fall break, but also a normal week of homework on the same week. But when I went to check my assignments this past Monday, or excuse me, two Mondays ago now, uh, they he rearranged the date, so it all matched up. So yeah, I had a week off last week. That was nice. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving with your family. I saw a lot of family at my Thanksgiving this year because, so Claire's got a lot of siblings, and just about, I think, all but one. There's one sibling who's overseas in Germany. I think everyone else was in town for Thanksgiving this year, and that was really exciting. It had been a very long time since everyone was together, so we enjoyed a lot of hanging out. The kids got to go for a trip up to Chicago. It was, it was a lot of good times for everybody. But we are back today, continuing on in our study of discipleship methods. This is week six. So we got week seven next week. And then on week eight, we will have our usual class recap, class kind of survey that I give, what I thought of the class as a whole. And then I believe that week we will be tackling my final project paper, which is supposed to be a report on Transformation Discipleship by Greg Ogden. So we'll have a full-blown book review for that week as well. So that week eight should be a jam-packed episode. But today we are similar to the spiritual formation class, this has been a lot of head knowledge so far. We have been restructuring the way that we think about discipleship for the past five weeks now. This is the week that we're taking the more practical step, the, the very first like next step that we need to take in order for discipleship to start working more effectively in our churches. And much like anything in a church, the big, if you're a note taker, I don't know if people take notes when they're listening to podcasts, but I guess if you have the luxury of being able to jot down a thought right now, or the big, the big idea for this week is that this comes to the leaders. This comes down to the leaders. The pastor of the church has to be involved, it has to be involved in the discipleship process. That is how change occurs. Yes, there should be an element of praying for this dynamic to change in churches as well. I think that's just an assumed step that is taking place. But the big overarching thought for this week was this idea that in order for churches to have more effective discipleship, a more biblically minded discipleship, uh, ministry in their church, the pastor has to lead it. Not that the pastor has, maybe not so much that the pastor has to lead it. I think the better word there is the pastor has to model it. Okay. I think there are times where discipleship and the pastorate, there's like this big, like gulf in between the two of them. 
You know what I mean? Like some churches have pastors that are very hands-on with everything, but it, when it comes to this idea of a discipleship program or a disciple, discipleship ministry, the pastor becomes very hands-off. Like either intentionally or unintentionally, it's this idea that the pastor is in like this ivory tower away from the rest of us while the rest of us are ministering to each other. We just get our encounter with the pastor on Sunday mornings when he preaches. You know, that is sadly how some people engage with their pastor is that he's like this high and lifted up separate person from the rest of us while the rest of us have to fend for ourselves. Other churches, of course, have the exact opposite problem, and they basically idolize their pastor, and the pastor can never get, or the pastor can never get two seconds to himself, and is constantly having to do everything in the church. None of these are really the right way of doing things, but that's how we do things here in the American church, and they all need to stop. When it comes to discipleship and the pastor, the pastor needs to be open enough to be evolved in this process. In other words, the pastor needs to step down a little bit from this position of spiritual leadership and be open to being discipled. And not just by other pastors, but even willing to have other godly people in the church speak into his life. This might be like shaking the very foundation of some people's perception of the pastor. But the pastor needs to model this, again, as a shepherd, as a coach. You need to be able to model this. Coaches don't play the game, but sometimes it's helpful, I think, like in high school sports especially, for coaches to be able to model how to do what you're trying to do. Uh, I look. I think back to when I was in middle school playing basketball for my school, and one of the coaches took me off to the side. I I did not have a proper form when it comes to shooting a basket. I was one of those kids who just like pushed the ball up towards the hoop, and he took me off to the, to the side and he modeled for me how to properly flip your wrist and shoot a basket, and that's what we did. That was what we me and him did. It was like a uh, the practice was like the coaches were like taking players to the side and just like working on specific areas that they needed coaching in. And that's what my coach worked with me on was working on my form. And this is something that the pastor can do to coach and shepherd us is to have a small group, have a micro group, have a life group. He can still be the leader he can still be the one that is, you know, making the decisions and leading the discussion and the study. But on the flip side, everybody there shouldn't be coming with this mentality of, I'm just here to absorb. There has to be a tone set where people there can speak into the life of the pastor as well. And I'm very thankful that I've seen this also modeled literally in my life as well, because before my wife and I were running a small group this year, we were in a small group for three years with the youth pastor, with friend, boss, pastor, Scott. I should have friend, pastor, boss, Scott on the show sometime. Um, 
I should have fake producer or unofficial producer Bradley on the show sometime too. We should start bringing in some of these people to discuss things. Anyway, um, Scott had a small group for three years and he opened himself to being spoken into. There were times and sometimes it like, I, I, I didn't know if this was like him being mad at me or what. I hope he wasn't. But there were these times where like, his wife, who was also in the small group, would ask a question, but direct it, direct it towards him. And his response was always, I don't know, ask Brandon. And I never knew how to take that. I think that was just kind of like a lighthearted, like, hey, everyone else can also chime in on this conversation as well. Um, hopefully it wasn't because I talked too much. I never want to be the guy who talks too much in groups. Anyway, so I've seen this modeled very literally of people of a pastor being open and willing to have people speak into his life and transformation occurs for everybody. This takes humility. This takes a level of, yeah, I think humility is the big one. Because again, we, you know, the pastor has all these degrees and all this studying and you can get in your head about that. And there are times where the pastor has to say, no, I am just I am just as much another person on this spiritual formation journey who needs to be have other people speak into our life to my life. So it has to start there. That's one of the first steps, is that it has to start with the pastor modeling this for the entire congregation. But not only does it require the pastor modeling it, it requires the pastor speaking about it as well. And this is where preaching and the pulpit comes into play. There needs to be a sense of urgency, and there needs to be a sense of straightforwardness in the communication. I'm stealing those from one of my classmates they, that was their, this was all a forum post discussion is what a lot of this material for this episode is coming from. And of course, reading from this week from Ogden and Hull, but that, that specifically that there needs to be a sense of urgency and straightforwardness in the communication is coming from one of my classmates. And I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. Because in my, in my post, I focused in on the language, which is important. We need to be using the terms of discipleship, including maybe shifting further away from calling ourselves Christians to disciples of Jesus. Because disciple is the word that is predominantly used in the New Testament for people who believe in Jesus. Christian only comes up less than five times. And I think one of them is kind of derogatory. <laughs> so that is part of it, is preaching this language of discipleship, of we are followers of Jesus. We are all disciples of him. And talking about the urgency of that and the straightforwardness that is needed in order to communicate that message maybe a less just trying to group all of the terms together and being more straightforward. You are a disciple of Jesus. You follow him first. And an urgency. Because what, where is this all from? I think this is 
Ogden, who is talking about all this, is that discipleship brings you to a place, being a disciple of Jesus and also and actually following the way, brings you to a hard life. I'm trying to collect how I want to say this. It brings you to a difficult life. He brings up Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, and he talks about cheap grace. And he equates cheap grace. Now, Bonhoeffer had this idea of cheap grace, and it was basically Christians who choose the path of least resistance. Whatever is the easiest way, we're still glorifying God, we're still believing in Jesus, but it's it's the easiest path that we can possibly take. That is a very, that is like a 20-second version of what cheap grace is. And I think cheap grace runs heavily here in America. Of course, I don't know what Christianity is like in any other country. I can only speak to America, and I think we're full of cheap grace around here. Especially in this area of spectator Christianity. Because that is what we have developed. We have developed a community of people who come together into a building once a week to listen to the pastor, tell you what to do, and how to live your life better for Jesus, and then we go about our daily business. Whereas that is cheap grace. Spectator Christianity is cheap grace. Yes, you're going to church and you're reading your Bible and you're praying and you're singing songs while you're there. But the individualism and the wanting to just get your fix once a week is not biblical Christianity. It is cheap grace. It is the easiest path that you can take to still call yourself a follower of Jesus. Whereas discipleship, pick up your cross and follow me. Dying to yourself, loving your enemies, doing those radical things that Jesus has called us to do, that's not cheap grace. And the other part that is not cheap grace is the community. Because it is difficult to get along with other people. <laughs> and it is humbling to have someone confront you with sin. And it's humbling to, to be a pastor and have someone speak into your life. But that is biblical Christianity. That is how we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus by not giving in to the norm of individualism. I'm just going to read my Bible and work on my relationship with Jesus. Yes, you should be doing those things. But to only do those things and to only show up to church to spectate, take it in and go about your business, that is cheap grace. What we need is pastors to be straightforward and say following Jesus is not easy. It's not. It costs you everything. But you gain everything. And it's cheesy, and I kind of wanted to say it because it is cheesy. But we do. We're giving up, gaining everything, as the David Crowder band sang many years ago. 
but it only happens when we come together as a community, as small groups, as micro groups, whatever the term is that you use. It only all comes together when we come together, when we are living life together, when we are speaking into each other's lives. And those changes aren't going to start happening until pastors start shooting from the hip on this. Until we start addressing ourselves and change this mentality of we are disciples of Jesus. Until we start preaching about the cost of, the, of discipleship rather than having your best life now. That is how we get the ball rolling to real discipleship. That's how we get the ball rolling to a real revival. I can't remember if we talked about it on the on the show or not, but this came up in an article that I had to read and write a paper on for the class that the great revival was a revival because it addressed the church. Revivals address the church and changes people in the church. And a lot of what needed to be changed in the church was this cheap grace spectators and not people who are willing to count the cost and to do this together. They didn't teach you that in your private school, did they? Because they didn't teach that at my private school. But that is how we get the ball rolling on discipleship. Now that we have a better understanding of what real biblical discipleship is and how it may look in some churches, now... Now we move forward knowing that the first step to get this ball rolling is to have the pastor model this, to be our coach, and to speak boldly about it. And if that's not going to happen at your church, like maybe you're listening to this and you're just like, you know, a small group leader or somebody who just attends your church, then this is your opportunity to get out of the cheap grace individual life, individualistic lifestyle, and get over to counting the cost of biblical discipleship, of following Jesus. Get in a small group, not because your church offers one, but because that is where you need to be. Volunteer, give back to your church, serve in your church. Don't just be a spectator. Or if you already are a small group leader, how can you bring some of these principles into your small group? Do you kind of put yourself back into an ivory tower? Do you need to be opening yourself up more to people speaking into your life? I've had people do that for me in this group already. This week, even if you can't get it at a high level, think how you in your life here and now, how can you maybe make some changes in your own sphere? And pray that your pastor finds this episode. Hey, tell him to listen to the show. You could do that too. Tell him to check out our show. We can work on that. Well, that's all I have for today. So that was the My Seminary segment. Let's move on over now to My Life Today, I am doing the thing that all good friends have to do at least once in their life, and I'm helping one of my buddies move. I think we're just picking up like furniture and putting them into a U-Haul or something like that. 
I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I have to text him and even figure out if he still needs my help, because I think they got started on yesterday. Um, so that's going on for me today. So that'll be fun. And like I said, Thanksgiving was a good run. The Thanksgiving break was nice last week, especially Thanksgiving Day. Just seeing everybody was nice. We had a couple of Claire siblings, or her, her brother and the sister-in-law stayed with us, so that was nice, having house guests. Tomorrow... I have talked about how I'm doing, I've been teaching a class at our church on the covenants of scripture, so tomorrow is our final lesson, we're talking about the Davidic covenant, It it's interesting, it's an interesting study, this one, because basically uh, it breaks a lot of the rules of covenant, of the covenants, it's interesting, it should make for some good conversation, and since it is our last one, we're having uh, donuts and chocolate milk and fruit and fun things like that. So it'll be a good time. That's, and I think that's it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was, that's what's going on for me right now. Hope your life is going great too. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now, or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at MySeminaryLifePod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.